Your wages are under attack. Your ability to purchase household items along with luxury items whilst maintaining a comfortable buffer for your hip pocket is shrinking by the day. What is the government doing about it? Not a whole lot. That's according to our next guest, Greg Jericho, who is a columnist with The Guardian Australia and is policy director for the Centre for Future Work. Jericho believes the New South Wales government's cap on public sector wages is creating an economic environment where the private sector is following the same trend, capping people's wages and reducing their spending power as inflation grows. According to the Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe, this long-term decision by the Liberal National Coalition governments at a state and federal level is beginning to have dire consequences. Greg Jericho, Guardian columnist and policy director at the Centre for Future Work, thanks for joining us on the PSA podcast today. No problem. So, Greg, I wanted to talk to you about the cost of living. The Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe is calling for an increase in real wages to keep up with inflation, uh, yet the Bureau of Statistics released data on the wages price index that states wages are currently at 2.3% while inflation sits at 3.5%. What does this mean in practical terms for the average Australian? Well, it means that um, last year, 2021, was one of the worst years for workers in terms of their their real ability to um, keep purchasing um, products because what's happened is uh, inflation, as you say, rising at 3.5% with wages going up only 2.3%. That means, in effect, their real wage has fallen 1.2%. So, in effect, in, in a sense, you can buy 1.2% less things with what you um, earn from from your work. So it really is a sign that uh, wages are not keeping up, not only with inflation, but even with inflation and productivity, which is what we should be aiming for them to rise. And what it also is, is a really um, indicative of what's happened over the past um three years, four years, um, even a bit longer. Um, really, since the last election, real wages have effectively been flat. That means, your, in, a, in a sense, your standard of living hasn't really improved. Can you explain to us what is the fear of a wages breakout that we hear often? <laughs> the fear of a wages breakout is something that uh, employer groups and, and often members of the, uh, the Liberal National Party uh, are concerned about continuously. Uh, it's been something that uh, they're forever concerned that uh, unions uh, somehow, it seems almost magically, are going to uh, be able to uh, get massive wage um, pay claims that are going to spur inflation. Um, and the reality is this has not occurred and for many years and in fact you could argue it hasn't really occurred any time um, sort of in the last 30 or 40 years. Um, what what really um, it comes down to is their, their attempts to try and limit any wages growth at all above inflation. Um, the government certainly has uh, likes to talk about wanting to get strong wages growth and yet um, all of their policies been very much derived towards um, limiting wages growth and keeping wages growth at best um, equal with inflation, which in effect means that your real wages stay flat. 
So on paper, it reads as if you know businesses do not want rage growth because it means they have to pay workers more in practical sense, right? And the, and the federal government and New South Wales state government has, has backed this theory in. But can you tell us why this theory is detrimental uh, to their interests in the long term? Well, the, the problem is that most of their customers are, in fact, their employees and, and workers in, in other jobs. And so if people's real wages are declining or going flat. That means you can't buy more um, from shops or from businesses. Um, and in, in effect, it limits demand. It limits the, the ability to keep not only businesses, but the entire economy really sort of um, trundling along at a nice pace. When wages growth is, is low, you can't prevent that weakness from flowing through to the rest of the economy. The Australian economy, about 55% around that, is made up of household spending. It's, it is us going out and buying things and spending money on all manner of things, whether it be in the shops or even just things we don't like spending on, such as council rates and, and electricity bills and insurance. But when you have weak wages growth and to employers in, in terms of profits, and it means that workers are continually getting less of the national income pie than, than they should be. So we've had almost a decade of this uh, type of economic policy in place and uh, it's safe to say that it was an exciting experiment for employers uh, <laughs> at the time, I'm sure. Here we are a decade on. Greg, what do you see will be the tipping point? Uh, I know it's probably a how long is a piece of string question, but... What will send uh, essentially voters, now that we're in an election year, over the edge and say, no, enough, this is not good enough? One of the things you, that has become absolutely crucial um, this year, and we'll certainly see it throughout the, the election campaign, is this rising cost of living. It's, it's kind of different from speaking about inflation in this very sort of... Uh, abstract sort of terms, but because the, the rise in prices has been in these essential items, it really has hurt people's cost of living because it's things like petrol, it's things like beef, um, you know, and that means that people are going to be less, I think, um, open to hearing talk about, oh, we need to all tighten our belts and we should be limiting wage wage growth or, you know, that this is a time of austerity. It's the sense of, well, hang on. <laughs> mm. It feels like we're the ones who, who are getting hurt and everyone else is, you know, other sections of the economy are doing better. So if prices are going up, someone is um, getting that that money and it, it certainly doesn't seem to be flowing back to, to workers. And so it's be going to be, I think, a real fight between suggesting that these prices are rising because the cost of labour is rising, which is certainly not true or not true to the extent that it is powering inflation. And it's a case of also putting in the argument that we need wages to recalibrate to actually start raising you know, people's living standards again. You know, it's The government is claiming that living standards ha- have increased over their watch Really, all that's powered that is their tax cuts that they brought in. That is, you know, because the tax cut does um, give you more income. Um, but if you take that away and take away the um, 
benefits that they put out during the 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 pandemic to to help sustain the economy. Essentially, real household incomes have been pretty flat, and um, our standard of living hasn't improved. And so, it really, is a case I think what needs to be argued and argued strongly is that wages growth is not bad for the economy. And I think there has been a very concerted campaign to almost make it sound like if you do argue for a wage rise above inflation, you're somehow hurting your chances of getting more hours. You're going to set off inflation. We're going to go back to the 1970s or something like that. And really, it needs to be reinforced that wages growth helps how the the economy. It, it helps uh, households. Households drive the economy. And, you know, it really can be a win-win. Greg Jericho, thank you so much for your time today. No problems. Protect yourself at work. Call the PSA today on 1300 772 679 or head to psa.asn.au.